Welcome to episode 4 of The Blueprint. And I'm the Travis Man, uh, just like the Cannabis Man, you know, if you follow old school rap. And uh, I'm the other co-host, Kenny. Uh, we actually did switch from our old name, the in and out Basketball Podcast, uh, to the new name, The Blueprint. So uh, that's what we will be referred to as uh, from now on. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, what about you? What you come across? Uh, well, I'm doing pretty well. Um... The past few, actually yesterday, uh, I was playing 2K, I was playing Lakers-Celtics, I played two games, and uh, I had a pretty good lead built with the Lakers uh, in both games, both were on the Lakers home court, and Kyrie Irving is just so unstoppable in 2K, he, he went on a streak of, I don't know, 20 straight baskets, a 20-0 run, uh, him against me, 20-0 Kyrie, Lakers run frustrated me so much I couldn't guard him I put Contavious Caldwell Pope on him it didn't work yeah and then offensively I just couldn't score because there was this you know fly just buzzing around me that I kept waving at so I had you know no clue really what I was doing uh on the on the 2k on the tv screen and you know it was just a frustrating day yesterday I lost both games by a total of I think 10 points I was in both games yeah <laughs> it was frustrating I was heated afterwards um, anything like that go on in, uh... <laughs> well, uh, sure, man. Um, so, uh, I was coming across a, a LeBron stand. I was just scrolling through my Twitter, and I see that, uh, Ronnie 2K, uh, he mm -hmm. said that only Jordan deserves a 99, and LeBron should be a 98. And then I see some LeBron stands, you know, a comment that got 200-something uh -huh. likes. <laughs> and, um, it was basically saying that, uh, current LeBron is better than 96, uh, 95, 96 Jordan. No, that's the not same true. Jordan who, uh, who won, uh, the championship, won 72 games, <laughs> won the scoring title, and won first team all defense. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, like, really any peak, you know, legend should be a 99. Kobe, LeBron, Wilt, Russell, MJ. Really any peak legend in 2K in their prime should be a 99, and that's what 2K has given us, but. You know, there's no way current LeBron is anywhere near 95-96 Jordan. LeBron fans on Twitter. LeBron mm -hmm. stands on Twitter, you know? Yeah. It's um, it's a cancerous community. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. Don't listen to the media. We got you guys. Uh -huh. Focus on the objective comments mm -hmm. and the uh, content. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So don't focus on the media too much. Well, uh, moving on to the uh, basketball aspect of this show. Wow. We had a very eventful... Uh, week this week in the NBA offseason and you know just when it seemed like all the top dogs in free agency had signed you know Paul George to the Thunder Chris Paul to the Rockets LeBron to the Lakers everything dies down and then some big news happened so let's start with the big fish Kawhi Leonard he was traded to Toronto him and Danny Green were sent to the Toronto Raptors uh, and in exchange the Raptors sent back DeMar DeRozan Jakob Pertl, and a 2019 first-round pick, I think it was, that was protected 1-20. to 20. And if it isn't in that 1-20 to 20 range, then it immediately turns into two second-round picks. Um, 
I don't really think any of us saw, you know, Kawhi all of a sudden the Raptors really asserting themselves uh, themselves into, you know, this Kawhi Leonard trade situation. Did, um, you, did you feel that way? I mean, um, I was shocked that the Raptors traded for him, but I wasn't shocked at where he uh, specifically went, and that was the Eastern Conference. We know the Spurs are smart. We wouldn't, they wouldn't trade them um, to the um, the West, where mm -hmm. the Spurs are still trying to contend under Greg Popovich. Right, right. Greg Popovich doesn't want to rebuild, so um, I think it was smart that they got a star player in return. Um, you know, he chokes in the playoffs, but hopefully. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're frozen. Um, but he hopefully he can um, become a better player under Pop. Hopefully mm -hmm. he can become a better defender. We know Pop um, under Pop you have to give it your all on defense. So hopefully DeRozan becomes that um, a better player on defense. Mm -hmm. Right, and uh, really, really we've seen you know Pop take players uh, in, in the system he's running. He wants players who can shoot the three and players who can play defense. And he's been able to take players who can't do that and turn, you know, mold them into players that fit his system. I mean, it's not just that. It's the mm -hmm. trainers. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're actually... very good shooting coaches. Yeah. Um, so that's how why uh, Kawhi, um, he was actually a pretty below average shooter, but he became a really good shooter. Yeah, yeah. With the um, coaches. So in essence, were you, were you shocked uh, by this deal when it went down? Um... Well, I was shocked that it was the Raptors, mm -hmm. but I wasn't shocked that it was the East because we mm -hmm. know that the Grizzlies, when they traded Paul Gasol in 2008 uh, to the Lakers, we know that the Spurs were angry at the Grizzlies because the Lakers are their main rivals and they, we, uh, they wouldn't want to trade them to the rivals. Yeah, I think like uh, you, me, and a lot of us, we projected Kawhi obviously going to the East so you know the Spurs uh, could still compete in that West. Um, but a lot of people had him going to, you know, Boston and Philadelphia, especially Boston. But, you know, Boston wasn't willing to give up Jalen Brown, uh, which was the player the Spurs wanted the deal to center around. And was there a specific player, Philadelphia, uh, the Spurs wanted from Philadelphia, Sarich? Uh, Sarich and Fultz, probably. Sarich and Fultz. Kawhi, Boston, and Philadelphia were really the two uh, main options that everybody was projecting Kawhi to land in. And neither one really wanted to give up that much, considering he was, you know, more than likely to bounce after this year uh, to L.A. Um, me, personally... I mean, I don't think that uh, Kawhi really wants to go to L.A. in mm -hmm. specifically. Uh, in specific, I think that he just wants a big market to boost his brand. And Toronto's actually the fourth biggest North American sports market. So that can really boost his brand. Yeah, and to what you said, there was a report that came out rec a report that came out recently that said, uh, you know, initially Kawhi hated the idea of playing uh, for the Raptors, but you know later he's kind of starting to warm up to that idea of being a Raptor. But we'll see if you know it most likely won't be enough to keep him from uh, from from leaving. Um, me personally, in terms of what the Spurs did, I was shocked. Mainly because they didn't really get a quality young player. I mean, Pirtle, I feel like he'll fit well in that Popovich system. He's uh, a young big. Yeah, they needed yeah. some young legs because of Pagasul. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's aging. Yeah, they needed young legs. And I felt like the Spurs should have, you know, really, really hammered the Raptors in order to get OG Ananobi in this deal. Because he he's the perfect fit with Coach Popovich. 
he can you know play incredible defense. We saw uh, in the second round against uh, the Cavaliers, um, he was play he was kind of frustrating LeBron. Now LeBron, you know, he's great and he you know still made him look a little silly, but you could see he 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 was really frustrating him. And even on that game three iconic LeBron shot that everybody was talking about, if you watch the play right after LeBron crossed the ball over. He tried to dip his shoulder into Ananobi and, you know, push him to get an easier shot at the rim, a uh, closer shot, a lefty layup. But Ananobi held, you know, a wide base and he put and he just stuck his chest out. And he was strong enough so that LeBron uh, wouldn't be able to bump him off course and just push him back and, you know, get a wide open layup. And he forced him into, you know, a really tough far fallaway, a fallaway runner. Um, just unlucky that it went in. But... I feel like the Spurs should have really targeted OG Ananobi, uh, but I mean, I guess it was a it was an okay trade, a good trade for the Spurs. Um, you added a star. He does choke in the playoffs, but you know it's better than getting nothing for Kawhi. And you know maybe you can ride out these last few years um, with Greg Popovich and just you know make the playoffs and still be competitive in that West. Um, uh, yeah. Um. I mean, on Toronto's side, mm-hmm. I think that they'll be a really good defensive team now that they have Kyle Lowry, uh, OG Ananobi, Kawhi Leonard, even Danny Green. He's a solid defender, yeah. and he can really shoot the three, obviously. And uh, they have Serge Ibaka as well, so they could play Serge Ibaka at center. Kawhi can move over to power forward. Uh, OG can start at small forward, Danny Green at the shooting guard, and Kyle Lowry at the point guard. And I don't think... Uh, Many teams are scoring on that lineup. Mm-hmm. They also in had, that death lineup, uh, uh, quote unquote. Right. They also had uh, Valanciunas, who you know you could debate him or Serge Ibaka moving to the bench, uh, and that bench was uh, pretty good last year, and you can bolster it by moving one of Valanciunas and Ibaka to to the bench. So you know you would roll out a starting five of uh, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Ananobi, uh, Kawhi at the four, even though that's he's, no, he's no 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 he's so, only six seven. Yeah, yeah. Ananobi, he's six six, right? So um, I don't think he can play. Uh, he can play the four. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, so maybe Ananobi off the bench. If you're, <laughs> you're not bringing Kawhi off the bench, so it would have to be Ananobi or Danny Green. Uh, but but uh, that's a little bit on, off to the to the side. Um, overall, for Toronto, I thought this was a genius move by Masai Ujiri, because you can compete for one year. And let's say, you know, you're lucky enough that Kawhi does stay. Then you can, you know, retool the team around him, make it better, and be competitive in the East for another few years. But if he does leave, then you can blow it up. You have Lowry, Valanciunas, Ibaka, all big contracts and their expiring deals the year after Kawhi makes his decision if he decides to leave. So I felt like you can have definite direction uh, if you're the Raptors after Kawhi makes his decision. If he leaves... You can tank and just rebuild. If he stays, you can compete, and it's good that they're not, you know, staying in staying in that uh, that death trap of mediocrity in the NBA. Yeah, if Kawhi leaves, they're trading Larry. Mm-hmm. They're trading Valanciunas. Um, I don't think that they'll actually tank. I think that they'll um, try to compete still. They can get uh, quite a uh, quite a lot for those two players. So. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see what happens. But it likely won't be in... I don't think it'll be even close to beating Boston. Boston's going to rule the East for the next few years. This year? This, this team? Year. This, this no, team with it's Kawhi? Gonna, yeah. 
Can they beat Boston? Yeah, that's. The I don't. I don't see it. Why not? Um, I mean, I don't feel Boston has a better bench. They just have. They're just deeper and just overall better. They have a better bench. They have a better starting five. We'll see how this Raptors team fits together. Can they push the series to six games? Yes. Seven games, that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, what about Kawhi? I thought he was the best player mm-hmm. in the East. Right. And he's yeah, yeah. the best two-way player. Yeah, he is. He's the best player in the East, uh, without question. And, you know, um, the Raptors, whether they play the Celtics, the Sixers, they're going to have the best player in each of those two series. And if, if it comes to a Game 7, that's, you know, extremely valuable. And you can't bet against the the top two, top three player in the world when healthy against, you know, any team outside of LeBron or KD. So you said a lot there and you didn't really say much. Yeah. You basically <laughs> said you can't bet um you can't bet against a top <laughs> two and three player mm-hmm. and you just said the Celtics will beat them. So you didn't really say much in, there. In a game seven you can't bet against LeBron, K D, Kawhi, Steph. You can't bet against those players only in a game seven. Throughout the course of a series I would have to take the deeper, more talented team, the younger team. That's um, well, it depends on how Nick Nurse uh, utilizes his players. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And, um, like, I think that they should have to use um, their uh, bench more. Yeah, yeah. It um, all depends on how that team is constructed. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse, um, do we know a lot about him in terms of his coaching? Or is he just completely new to the game? Um, I don't actually know. Okay. So, uh, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. Um, which is the Carmelo Anthony trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got traded to the Atlanta Hawks. He got waived immediately. Yeah. For Dennis Shooter to the OKC Thunder. Uh, Mike Muscala to the Sixers. Justin Anderson to the Hawks. Um, TLC to the Thunder. It was a three-team trade? Yeah. Oh, okay. With... Philadelphia? Yeah. Okay. Um, any immediate reactions off the bat to this trade? Um, I mean, um, I don't really like this trade for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, mm-hmm. you, um, Dennis Shooter has potential. I mean, even though he's really not that efficient at all, um, you could have still gotten a lot more than, like, just one pick. And, um, so they didn't really get back that much, and uh, for OKC's side, I don't think this solves it a problem for the bench because um, it really depends on how Russell Westbrook uses his players. I mm-hmm. mean, if you run a system where you only stat pad and glorify yourself, you're never gonna win anything. But but usually in that rotation, the Thunder take do they take? I think they take PG and Russ and everybody in the starting unit out at the same time, then just put the whole bench in. I think that's how. Along, I think they keep Jeremy Grant in there, um, but I think that's how they uh, they roll with the rotation. Um, in terms of uh, Carmelo Anthony, the Rockets uh, are the front runner. So how do you see him fitting with with Houston um, if he if he does go there through a buyout? I don't really think that's a good fit because mm-hmm. you already have like two ball dominant guards and Melo he's a ball stopper he's really a ball dominant player so I don't think that's going to solve their problem in beating the Warriors in fact I don't think they would have beaten the Warriors if Andre Gidala actually wasn't injured 
in that series, that would have been over in five, and not many people look at that. So, um, I don't think that solves their problem. Uh, Trevor Ariza was a better fit in that lineup because he can uh, actually defend uh, that team's best player and he can shoot the three. So. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I I don't like Melo to Houston because one, like you said, he's a ball stopper. He is going to ruin their you know run and gun offense because he's going to try to post up catch the ball, take, you know, three, four seconds to jab, step, pump fake, do whatever he does, and then jack up a mid-range post shot, uh, post fadeaway, whatever. Um, offensively, he's going to ruin what they do. Defensively, especially, this is this is the big one. The Rockets need a wing defender. And, because cause right now, obviously, they ro- they lost Ariza, they lost Luke Mbamute. Those guys are the guys who are dependent upon to guard Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, the the big NBA players, especially the wings, and Carmelo Anthony can't. He he's not a good defender. He's a terrible defender. He can't yes. guard you know LeBron, KD, Kawhi. He can't guard those players to save his life. So what I think the Rockets should do is go to Philadelphia, call up who's the GM of the Sixers after the Brett Brown. Oh, Brett Brown. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, call up Brett Brown. Give them whatever you need to do outside of Harden and Chris Paul and Eric Gordon for uh, and Clint Capella, if he does come back, um, for Robert Covington. Because he is a better version of Trevor Ariza. He's, you know, younger, more athletic. He can do a lot of the same things Ariza did, but just, you know, slightly better. Since he's younger, he's a better defender. He's not as, you know, long and lanky as Ariza, but to guard, you know, Durant, LeBron, you need youth and athleticism. Um... But going back to this trade, uh, Oklahoma City, I felt like this was a great deal for them. They obviously got rid of Anthony and his $28 million contract. Huge. Yeah, the ball-stopping, defensive liability. And the uh, payroll. Yeah, the payroll, the you know huge payroll contract, uh, the huge pay- payroll player uh, that Carmelo Anthony is. And instead, they got Dennis Schroeder, who will come in, and he will be the primary scoring option off of the bench where you yes. know he will perform better uh, with greater efficiencies. He only shot, you know, 43% in uh the last season uh with Atlanta, but as he's playing against worse players, he'll shoot better, he'll be more efficient, and I think he'll be, you know, a slightly better player. Um and I feel like overall they'll just be a better team. Now they do have Schroeder's 4-year, 70 million dollar contract, but overall you want to ride it as long as you can with this Russ Paul George uh, tandem and see how far it takes you. Oh yeah, going back to the Houston side of the mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony, um, their their front runners, right? So, um, I feel like that could actually work if he came off the bench, which we know that he's probably not willing to do because he's he has a big ego. So, yeah. um, he should probably consider Miami Heat. Miami Heat. Who's their Who's their small forward? They have uh, Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson and uh, James Johnson. Okay, those are those are Miami's th- those two players, Richardson and James Johnson. They're rough riders because you know they don't back down from anybody. They're physical. They play great, great defense. I don't feel like Carmelo Anthony's a Miami Heat type of player, a gritty player who just does a lot of things no, to I mean, make the team. No, I mean that's actually perfect win. that they have those two rough mm-hmm. riders. Like, they could easily cover for Melo's mm-hmm. lack of defense. Um, and um, in that system, in the Eric Spolstra system, Pat Riley, um, Pat Riley forced LeBron to buy into that Miami Heat system, 
uh, Andre Dwayne Wade as well, I, uh, who I think they're going to bring back, hopefully. Um, so I think that Pat Riley will force Melo to adapt to that system. And um, I think that L.A. is the second front runner, and Miami Heat's behind them. I don't think he should go to L.A., uh, unless, of course, he wants to play with LeBron, but mm. I don't think he's a good fit there. I mean, they don't really have a lot of... We don't want Carmelo in L.A. <laughs> Oh, don't you don't want Carmelo? Want Carmelo yeah, in we don't want Carmelo. <laughs> oh, are you a Lakers fan? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a LeBron fan first. Since LeBron's on the Lakers, I'm a Lakers fan. We don't want Carmelo. That's out of the option. See, this is the thing. I'm a sp- <laughs> I, I'm a Spurs fan. I don't mm-hmm. I don't um, you know, follow Kawhi everywhere. Uh-huh. I, I'm a Spurs fan, you know. Well, Even if Pop leaves. That's cause, that's because Kawhi did your team dirty. Um, no, it's actually because I just genuinely like the Spurs, uh-huh. you know, and San Antonio. I've been there actually. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I don't think that's a good fit for the Lakers, um, because they don't really have a lot of guys to cover for Melo, Mm -hmm. and, um, that team is filled with young players, so I don't think Melo's a good role model (laughs) at all. Um, in the Miami Heat's case, they have a lot of veterans, so I think that, uh, the Miami Heat's the best fit for Melo. Right, and going back to the Lakers, if you get Carmelo Anthony, they're overloaded with forwards. LeBron, Ingram, Kuzma, and then Melo, like, you don't have enough space in the rotation for, you know, all of those forwards to be playing. Um, But going back to Atlanta, I also felt this was a great deal. It was a great deal for both sides because they, Schroeder obviously requested a trade uh, earlier in, I think it was June, or, yeah, it was June, right? I think so. Yeah. and they got rid of him when, you know, a disgruntled player, anytime you get rid of him, that's positive. And he also had a big contract, four years, $70 million. They got rid of that contract as well. And also what this does is it opens a spot for Trey Young to become a starting starter, the starting point guard for that team, and just grow and develop his game with experience, which I think he'll need to adjust to the NBA level of play. Um, so really the Hawks, you know, they've been rebuilding. They Schroeder was a bit off of their timeline. He was 24, 25? He's 24, uh, and also he's pretty inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so both sides, I felt this was a great deal. That's I guess that it. wraps it up. Um, I don't really need to touch on that Atlanta side. Um, there's really mu- nothing much to say there. So um, let's go back to free agency. Um, we saw that Jabari Parker signed a two-year, $40 million deal with the Chicago Bulls, team option for the second year. Um, I think this was a good move. Uh, it's a low-risk move because it's a team option, so if uh, he gets injured or doesn't play well, they could just uh, let him go. And um, if he returns to that um, if he returns to that form that he was uh, before, which was uh, pretty decent, he averaged at 21 points per game, uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks before he got injured again. Um, so I think that's um, a pretty good deal. What about you? Yeah, I agree. This was a perfect deal for the Bulls. Um, like you said, two-year $40 million deal. He has a team option after the first year. So let's assume that the first year doesn't work out for you know the Bulls and Jabari Parker is you know still not playing well after that injury. Uh, they can just get rid of him, get his salary off the books, look for another great small forward potentially great small forward if he does play well uh play like you know he was pre-injury in milwaukee this is also a great move uh for the bulls this is also great for the bulls because 
the their weakest position by far on their team is the small forward. Right now, their starting small forward is Denzel Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> Chandler Hutchinson? No. Chandler uh, Hutchinson yeah. is, um, he's probably going to be um, in the G League, I mm-hmm. would say so. Yeah, both players either way are, you know, not not starting quality in the NBA. But if you look at the Bulls, point guard, you've got Chris Dunn. Shooting guard, you've got Zach Levine. Uh, power forward, you've got Markkanen. And center, you've got Wendell, who I think will be a great, Robert great Lopez player. Robert Lopez will start that first year. Oh, he is? Yeah, because Wendell, um, he's going to probably get mentored by Robin uh, Lopez. They need to start Wendell. <laughs> they um, can't have his second Lopez. year. His second, his second year. year? Yeah. Why second year? Um, because Robin Lopez is a good mentor. Yeah, but I feel like Lopez can still mentor him as, you know, the second center to come off the bench. I feel like you need to grow your young players. You need to have Wendell playing as much as possible. Well, you need to let them, like, watch and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just I like uh, like... the the Atlanta Hawks are doing uh-huh. with uh, Jeremy Lin, he's actually gonna be starting. Oh, okay. Trey Young is gonna come off the bench. Okay, but like me, that's kind of a different situation to me because Trey Young to me is not NBA ready. Wendell Carter Jr. right off the bat, I think he's going to be a great, great, great player. Moving on from Wendell Carter Jr., <laughs> the biggest hole in the Bulls is the small forward, and. You take, a, you take a very low-risk, high-reward move with Jabari Parker at that small forward position. If he works well, then great. You've got your team for the future. You've got Dunn, Levine, Parker, Markkinen, Wendell for the future. Um, if he doesn't, then you can get rid of him, find a new starting small forward, and go from there. So uh, next up, we got Marcus Smart. He signed a four-year, $52 million deal with the Boston Celtics. Um, me personally, when I saw he signed this deal, one, I was you know very angry that the Lakers did not offer him. Th- there was a report that came out that the Lakers were eyeing tough-minded playmakers. You know, we saw that through their signings of Rondo and Lance Stevenson. Um, no, it wasn't really about that. It was about clearing up free agency for next summer. Yeah, yeah. To go after Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving. Kawhi, no, not baby. Kyrie Irving. Just kidding. Not Kyrie Irving. Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Butler, yes, and um, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. No. That's why they signed them to one-year deals. Yeah. But for this season, they're going to try to experiment. See if you can beat the Warriors by out-toughing them instead of trying to beat them at their own game. Um, well, that's not going to work because yeah, it's not they're, work. Not, um, they're not uh, as talented as yeah. the Warriors either way. Yeah. If they run the LeBron system, it's not going to work. They're not even going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. And if they, um, if they run like the Luke Walton system... Um, then or the Magic Johnson system, I think they'll make the playoffs as a five to eight seed, and um, they probably won't get past the first round because they don't really have the talent. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they're not talented enough to beat Golden State yeah. for sure. All the other cases we'll see. But anyways, moving back to Marcus Smart. Um, basically, what I feel is that for the Celtics, this is terrific for them. They kept an extremely valuable piece. Uh, of that team he he was essential this year we saw that right when Marcus Smart came out like I said in the last episode um, the Celtics just crumbled you know they were a 500 basketball team he's very valuable to them and in terms of Marcus Smart's perspective of this I don't really know if he genuinely likes this because well why did he sign the contract yeah yeah (laughs) he signed the contract but there generally wasn't much of you know a market for him which no team really has the cap space to go after these players that's why 
these players, those restricted free agents are, um, they're really not getting many offers. Yeah, and to that point, I was more surprised that he didn't take a one-year deal because earlier this year, he said that he was worth more than that $10, $11 million range, which was, you know, right around where... He's not. He's not. He's, he's worth more. Than, in my opinion, he is. Well, he, he plays one side of the ball really <laughs> well. He has the intangibles, really good defender, really good hustle player. He's a bully. You need yeah, that player yeah. on your um, team to be a, like a championship-level team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, he doesn't really play the other side He's not a numbers guy. He doesn't show up in the box score. Yeah. He averaged 10 points on you know 36% field goal shooting. Yeah, but that's not the thing. Like He doesn't play the offensive side of the ball consistently yeah. enough. I mean, he can go on hot streaks where he can hit threes. Yeah, We've seen it in the playoffs. Um, I think against the Philadelphia 76ers. And, um, well, I don't think um, one side of the ball, defense, especially in this league, where offense is like the main focus and defense yeah. is really overrated, um, I don't think that Marcus Smart should be paid that much. Okay. Um, so what do you what like value would you give Marcus Smart? What do you got? So thirteen million. Yeah. I'd say with the contracts that are that were being given out in the past few years, Ryan Anderson twenty million a year. That's only because of the CBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'll get to my next point in a minute that relates. Um, I feel like Smart is worth about I'd say fifteen million dollars a year or so. Um, but anyways, uh, that's besides the point. I'm surprised Marcus Smart didn't get a one-year deal because, obviously, you said the salary... No, uh, I mean, what do you mean get? Like, he signed the contract. He didn't take a one-year deal. Um, You know, from his perspective, he didn't choose to go for a one-year deal. And... Well, I think that he realized that he was important to that team. (laughs) He was helping them win games, obviously. And the Celtics are in a really good position for right now and the future. Yeah, but I feel like next year, in terms of Marcus Smart... He could have gotten himself way more money because they're obviously teams are going to have a lot of cap space because all those big time players are leaving uh, or will be free agents. Well, that's not really true. Um, probably the next office. Does the, the CBA go up next year? Um, yeah, it increases like gradually, but okay. Um, oh yeah, touching on the CBA, um, it's blasphemous that the Warriors. Uh, this is totally off topic, but. The Warriors even had a chance to get Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins because the CBA, it actually um, increased by $20 million, the mm-hmm. salary cap, yeah. in the 2016. And that's because CP3 and LeBron James themselves, as part of the, N- the NBPA, um, the Players Association, they actually decided to uh, increase that. So I guess you could say LeBron did this to himself. Yeah, he did. Um, LeBron is a big advocate of player empowerment. And uh, same with Chris Paul. And so that's why that happened. Um, That was really a big jump that allowed the Warriors to add Kevin Durant. Um, But really, after what we've seen, I'll just say this. After what we've seen with the Raptors, obviously Toronto, if you didn't know, what happened was a week uh, before, during the Las Vegas Summer League, they spoke with DeMar DeRozan, and they said, we are not trading you in any deal that involves any player, whether it be Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jimmy Butler, as he's getting disgruntled, someone of that nature. Um, they said, we are not trading you. And then, two weeks later, they go out and trade him. 
So it's kind of like loyalty in the NBA. We've seen it with Isaiah Thomas. He, you know, played his heart out after his sister died. The day after his sister died, he came out, balled out in game one, even though it was a loss to the Chicago Bulls. Balled out in the playoffs in general. Yeah, he, yeah. he dropped 52 yeah, on the uh, Washington Wizards. Yeah. 52 or 53. And then, you know, he had that hip problem the whole way also. And months later, in August, Celtics trade him to the Cavaliers. Um, and that kind of derailed his career. Uh, even though the player, in this case, was so loyal to the team, and the team abandoned the player. And so really, what is loyalty in the NBA anymore? So in my opinion... There's no loyalty. Yeah, there is no loyalty. And so in my opinion, if there's no loyalty from the ownership to the player, then, and of course my view on this has changed, I don't care uh, if there's ownership from the player to the GM, uh, because um, obviously now I support player mobility. So in my opinion... Well, I do not, because, uh I mean, I feel like, I mean, it should be a lot, obviously, it's free agency, but... It's the thing about players having the mindset that they don't want to compete. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it would be nice if Kevin Durant actually... I mean, I know playing with Russ is a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the Russell Westbrook system, just like, um, you know, James Harden plays under the Mike Tony system, uh-huh. just like LeBron plays the LeBron system. <laughs> so KD, um, I know that... Uh, or I'm not addressing this to you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, KD um, playing under Westbrook, uh, his system, uh, Russell Westbrook's system, that's a terrible thing because, I mean, it takes away from you as a player. You're not uh, really allowed to do anything. Um, but I believe that he shouldn't have chose the easy way out and joined the Warriors. Um, I somewhat agree with it, but because it's like, uh, it maximized his understanding of the game. Uh-huh. But... He should at least have some pride to compete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree, but I feel like that's, you know, just been a trend that the league has been going towards ever since uh, Boston. And this was from a GM perspective, which I completely agree with. You want to get the best, you want to assemble the best team possible. And so they they, uh, got Ray Allen from the Supersonics. They got Kevin Garnett from the Timberwolves. They arranged this formidable team. LeBron couldn't beat that team. So he went and arranged his own formidable team. KD couldn't beat that team. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, you're talking about the Celtics, but that was a trade. Like It's yeah, like yeah. these players um, taking these things into their own hands. Also, uh, if you remember that Kevin Garnett, when he was traded, he uh, was uh, upset that the Timberwolves traded him because he actually wanted to be in that organization forever. Yeah. Uh, if you remember that. Um, so I think it's like, uh, I think we're going to see that with Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, um, loyalty has never really been a thing since 2010, mm-hmm. um, and um, I mean, it's not really that LeBron couldn't beat that team, because that team was aging. That team was not in yeah. its prime, by yeah. any means. Um, in fact, they were actually favored, the Cavs, to win the East in 2009 and 2010. It's just yeah. that LeBron couldn't uh, get out of the East. In and 09, they lost to the Magic, though. In 010, yeah. they lost to the Celtics. Yeah, I know. In 10. I know, and actually he quit in, yeah, he in quit that, in that series, series because Delante West was yeah. allegedly, <laughs> allegedly knocking off his mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, um, it's all about these players taking things into their own hands um, since that point in time, um, which I don't agree with. I think that 
they should have some pride in competing. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, moving on from the whole, you know, CBA player mobility stuff. We have some Summer League to talk about. Obviously, the Summer League ended a few days ago with the Portland Trail Blazers. Was the, I think it was the Blazers. Uh, Blazers. the Lakers yeah. uh, in the Summer League Championship for the three of you who watched the Summer League Championship. Um, and <laughs> so what did you feel? Uh, who, which rookies or which players were you most impressed by in the Summer League? And which rookies or players were you most disappointed by? I was impressed by Wendell Carter Jr. I'm not as high on him as you are, uh -huh. obviously, but he's a great shot blocker. He's um he can stretch the floor. He's a great defender too, uh, and he's a great rebounder. He doesn't really have any holes, but he can still improve. Um, and um, I don't think he'll be an all-time great player, as you say, <laughs> as you say, right? Uh -huh. um, yeah. But I think he'll have a solid career. It was a low-risk pick uh, by the Bulls, and he's uh, making a name for himself. So where do you feel, uh, Wendell, how good do you think he'll be? Like, um, you know, 5 to 10 current NBA player range. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, like, so, you know, Chris Paul is in that, you know, 5 to 10 NBA player range. Yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, when you're ranking the players, like LeBron 1, KD 2, Steph 3, things like that, where do you think Wendell ranks, will rank, in his career? In his career? At, at the peak, at the peak. Um, I don't know. He hasn't even <laughs> played an NBA game yeah. yet. <laughs> he hasn't played an NBA game. Um, and then your, your second? Um, oh yeah, my second player uh, is probably Kevin Knox. Obviously, he burst onto the scene. Um, he kind of reminds me of PG-13 because mm -hmm. of his athleticism. Um, and uh, he can stretch the floor as well. And um, he played pretty well. Uh, I think very well. I don't Yeah, very well. I don't think I've ever seen Kevin Knox be that athletic. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, he was pretty good. And Josh Hart, to add on to that player range, um, Josh Hart was pretty good too. Right. Average 20. Three or twenty-four points. Summer League MVP, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Me personally, I said one. Obviously, Wendell Carter Jr. Okay. Um, throughout Summer League, he showed he can do you know so many things just so well. He averaged fifteen points, nine point four rebounds, and three blocks per game, and he literally has no holes in his game. But over his career, he will you know continue to. He still has room to improve, uh, in you know all the aspects of his game. He can still improve in everything. And I believe, from what I've seen in Summer League, and what I'm, what I'm expecting from, ha from him, Wendell, I think you will be a all-time great player. You will be a top 5 to 10 player all-time. Oh and you will be the best player in the NBA, starting from your second year. Okay, so if you kind of... That's, oh that's, a, that's, a, oh that's a big torch to carry, because... Yes, you, obviously, <laughs> he's not going to match that if you're expecting <laughs> to be the best player in the NBA. No, I... Because, like, if you look at previous all-time, or previous best players in the NBA, it went Shaq to Kobe to LeBron. Uh, I think no, it's I don't think now. it went right to Kobe. Duncan to Kobe? Duncan, yeah. So Shaq, yeah, I would uh, I would agree also. Shaq to Duncan to Kobe to LeBron, and I think next up is Wendell. That's how that's how high I am on, on Wendell Carter Jr. Um, okay, whatever <laughs> you say, man. Um, um, so, apparently from Summer League, this guy thinks... <laughs> That he'll be an all-time all great, great player. All-time great. That's Top a Skip Bayless take. That is a Skip Bayless take. <laughs>
Top but five anyway, to ten all time. Um, I'm least impressed um, with a yeah. lot of these players, and I'm less impressed with my take as well. Oh, okay. So anyway, um, the players who didn't really play well, um, Dragon Bender, he thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> no need to explain on that. Uh, Marvin Bagley obviously got hurt, but um, we didn't really see much of him. He's obviously really lo- raw, raw, um, and uh, he has a long ways to go, especially when you're playing with the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for my second player that I was uh, very impressed by, Kevin Knox. He averaged uh, 21.3 points and 6.5 rebounds throughout Summer League, and I didn't see a lot of this at Kentucky. He is freakishly athletic. Uh, I, I, I you know, did not see this coming from Kevin Knox. He has great instincts. He loves running in transition and pushing the basketball and getting it out uh, and making plays with it. He can do that. He can shoot. He can do so many things very well. And to me, you said he looks like Paul George, and I completely agree with that. He has, you know, the, the, the overall scoring game of Paul George, but with how he handles the ball and how he finishes and his athleticism, he looks like a mix of Giannis and Paul George to me. He, lo- he looks great. He looked great in Summer League. Uh, as for the rookies I was not impressed with, obviously a Dragon Bender. He was terrible. He averaged 7 points per game in Summer League on 7 shots per game as a third-year player. As a third-year player, that, that is horrible. As a first-year player, that is horrible. As, as oh, an yeah, undrafted rookie, the... that's horrible. That's just overall not a good look at all. Touching on the years of the players... KJ McDaniels, who has been in the league for six, five to six years, is still in the summer league. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy. I only thought first and second year players go to the summer league. I guess guys like Dragon Bender and KJ McDaniels and Alex Caruso, who have, you know, who just can't seem to do much of anything, go there as well. Um, so Dragon Bender, no explanation needed. He has been terrible. Secondly. Marvin Bagley, and overall, I was watching his offensive game in Summer League, and to me, he just seemed very, very predictable. You know, guys were able to get cut him off uh, at his spots. They were able to get to the spot faster than him uh, because he was kind of telegraphing the move beforehand, and, you know, you could see it in his numbers. He only averaged 10.3 points per game on very, very poor efficiency. He shot 10% from three. <laughs> 10% from three. That is That is... That is abysmal. And well, he, obviously, Marvin Bagley, I mean, even though he shot decent at college, yeah, it's only decent because you have to have a really good shooting year in college to translate to the NBA. And um, Marvin Bagley, he's not going to uh, shoot it as well in college or as average in college. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you said it uh, in two episodes ago, in episode two, Marvin Bagley the third. <laughs> had a high bust potential. I did not agree with you. I said he was very raw, and I thought he would be a really, really good player. But I'm seeing... Well, that, huge... that's exactly why I called him a... That's yeah. exactly why I called him a bust, because... Yeah. Um, well, well, you're agreeing with me. Thank you. Yeah, I am now. Um, well, it's because um, he was very raw, and you need a really good organization to develop you, and the Kings are not that. That's why. Yeah. I mean, you average 10.3 points per game in Summer League on those horrific numbers. I can almost guarantee, I, I agree with you now, he's going to be a bust. Especially in that Kings organization, they don't develop players well at all. 
I see bust written all over him. He also missed the latter half of Summer League uh, mm -hmm. because of a pelvic bone bruise. Injury prone, potentially. Not as much as Michael Porter Jr., of course. Um, but again, Marvin Bagley, I just see bust written all over him. Well, it's funny how you <laughs> say that Wendell Carter Jr. will be a, uh -huh. an all-time great player, a uh -huh. top 10 player of all time, and the best player in the NBA because of Summer League. Uh -huh. But you also say that uh, Marvin Bagley the third is a bust because of summer league. That it's yeah. funny how that works. <laughs> well, um, uh, well, seeing on what we have to, or seeing what we have already, um, I think that Marvin Bagley will be a bust. I don't really base it off summer league at all. Mm -hmm. Summer league is um, it's just basically a, a practice. Yeah, yeah. That's it, all it is. It's just about seeing, you know, what you need to improve on, work on, seeing what you're good at. Seeing the skill sets. Yeah, seeing the skill sets of the player. But yeah, those are my takes on, uh, that's my take on Summer League. So yeah, that wraps it up for episode four of the Blueprint Basketball Podcast. Um, we talked about free agency, the NBA trades, we went into some Summer League. Uh, yeah, is there, there's not going to be much going on over this NBA season. Uh, well, uh, off season um, for the next, you know, few weeks. Yeah, and um, possibly, I mean, NBA season's going to be really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I'm in particular excited about the Eastern Conference. Boston, um, Toronto, Philadelphia, Indiana. Yeah, uh, those are great teams. And, um, well, even though we may know the final result of the season, yeah. it's still going to be a fun season to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and DeMarcus Cousins, obviously, he's not going to stay with the Warriors past this yeah. year. And he, he might not even be the same player. Yes. We've seen Kobe, who was incredible at age 34 he averaged 27 a game that year towards achilles and was not the same, same player and uh i mean demarcus cousins is 27 but the thing is that he's, he's a big man, big man. Yeah, yeah yeah he's like 270 to 80 pounds yeah and landing on that i don't think he can come back yeah as um, much as you were mm -hmm. yeah so i don't feel like we have to see demarcus cousins actually play before we can conclude that the nba season is over because the Boston Celtics, if Cousins isn't completely healthy, they're ready to pounce on that opportunity mm -hmm. from the Warriors. And um, Al Horford, I think he's really underrated. Yeah, he's, he's a good, he's a great defender, great leader. Yeah. So I think that he can hold down the fort, mm -hmm. uh, represent to the fullest. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that he'll be uh, just. Uh, I think he'll be just as good, if not greater, than DeMarcus Cousins. Mm -hmm. Are those rap lyrics? Uh, yes, it's it? from Nas One Love. Shout out to Nas. Uh, He's okay. the greatest rapper of all time, in my uh -huh. opinion. Um, that about wraps it up. Uh, share this video on SoundCloud. Share this video um, on Twitter um, mm -hmm. or social media. Or other platforms. Yes. Which we will get out to you as soon as possible. Uh, um, yes. So uh, stay tuned. I'm out. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.